And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Well, it's a Friday afternoon, which means one very important thing. It's time to talk all about money and to help us do that from Envision Financial today. Once again, Luke Smith, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to see you. It's great to have you in the studio once again. And today we're talking about fixed interest assets Mm. and asking the question, what happens to those assets when interest rates go up? So I'm assuming that because they're fixed interest, your rates are not going to go up. So you'll feel like you're not as well off. And look, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. And that's really why it's becoming more and more topical the more we read about inflation and interest rates and the fear of where borrowing rates could go. But what people need to keep in mind as well is that whilst the term fixed interest can be perceived as a positive, if your comparison rate, i.e. cash, continues to go up, if you're already invested, the value of your assets in the short term may go down. And this is a concept that I'm finding people are struggling with because it's been approximately 11 years, I think, since we've had an increase in the cash rate. So this is a phenomenon or, or, or a risk that we haven't seen in the defensive portion of portfolios. And in the short term, if you have a high allocation to defensive assets, you could expect the underlying value of your portfolio to potentially be negative. And it's it's not a permanent thing. It's, it's a time frame consideration. And Let's use this analogy because I find people can, can be comfortable with this. If we have an investment property and we rent that property for $500 a week and we agree to a lease of one year or two years, over that time frame, we can't up the rent. Regardless of what may happen in your street, in your suburb, in your building, in your tower, on your farm, whatever your property asset may be. We have to collect the rent that we agree for the duration of the lease. Yeah. Now, I use that analogy because I find people can can picture it. Um, and we need to remember that it's exactly what's happening in fixed interest. If we've got fixed interest investments and they're already in the market and the cash rate goes up, which is what we saw recently, When we value an asset, like we value a house or any other investment, we want the rate of return that is expected at the time. And if the cash rate's going up, our expectation in relation to our fixed interest return would be more. Cash rates have gone from 0.1 to 0.35. If they go to 0.5, 0.6, 0.7, that is the rate of return that we're expecting. Now, if we're already invested in assets and in that property example, we said we've got a one-year lease or a two-year lease. We can't move the rate of return up to the new cash rate like we can't move the rental agreement up until the lease ends. And that's all people need to keep in mind. It's not that what you have is bad. It's just that what the market is offering has improved. And when the lease ends, what do you do? You go to the tenant and you say, hey, if you'd like to keep living here, it's no longer $500 a week. It's $550 a week, $530 a week, or whatever the market is offering at the time. And that is exactly what we're seeing at the moment with fixed interest assets. We're seeing the total return in the sector potentially be negative, And the rate of negative movement is only tied 
to the time frame that the money is invested. If it's invested for a longer period of time, the value of your asset may have come off a little bit more than somebody that has a time frame of three years and not eight years. Yeah. Now, when we talk about fixed interest assets, people might people might immediately think of something simple like a term deposit. Mm-hmm. Now, a term deposit, of course, you're putting actual cash into the deposit, mm-hmm. and the amount of cash you have in that deposit doesn't change. Correct. But if we're talking about an investment like a bond, it's no longer cash. It's a bond, and it has a face value, but that bond, if it's traded, doesn't necessarily sell for its face value. And that's where the trouble comes in. And that's, that's exactly the, the outcome of, of, of what I've tried to explain yep. there, um, is that the value of an asset or the trading of an asset is always a reflection of its market value at the time. If we want more income and we're already invested, the only way to change the value of something is to reduce its capital value. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the fixed interest market. The thing that people have comfort in, in relation to a term deposit, is that the capital value is not repriced. Yes. If you did reprice a five-year term deposit at 0.4% against a five-year term deposit at 1%, then if you you were to reprice those assets like normal, then the capital value of your term deposit would fall. It's just most people don't look at term deposits like that. So they feel that there's more comfort in them. When actual fact, it's just not repriced in the same way as normal listed assets would be yep. inside your super fund or your portfolio. Yeah. So if, and a bond is a simple example of a fixed interest uh, investment asset. Uh, but uh, it's, as I said, it doesn't, it's not actually cash. It is an investment security and it has a face value, but mm-hmm. that face value is not um, necessarily reflective of the price that you can get if you want to sell it. That's right. It's, it's a reflection of its value at any one point in time, not just the amount of money that you put yep. into it like you see with a term deposit. Yep. And that's what I think people need to be comfortable with going forwards because equity markets at the moment are pricing in, depending on what you read, a cash rate of 2.5 to 2.8 to potentially 3% by the middle of next year. Okay. So we could expect cash rates to continue to rise to help curve inflation. That will then push up lending rates if you have a mortgage. And it'll also increase the rate of return from defensive assets because you will get more return for your money as the cash rate continues to rise, which is a good thing because a lot of people have held a lot of term deposits and a lot of defensive assets and haven't been rewarded for many, many years. So we're going to start getting back to a more appropriate long-term level. We may not get to the the figures of 06 and 07 where you could put money in the bank and get eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're going we're gonna to bridge that gap very quickly. And I think that's a concern for borrowers in the, the speed at which it moves because on a percentage basis, interest rates are going to rise exponentially and that will have a significant impact for those that are servicing larger debts because the cost of their borrowing will increase, like the improvement in the return of cash for those that have defensive assets. So in simple terms, when the interest rates start moving upwards, the value of your securities like bonds start moving downwards. Correct. Okay, so it's it's a quid pro quo kind of situation. Yeah, you you win on the swings and lose on the roundabouts. Yeah, they, you have an inverse relationship. Yeah, okay. So as the interest rates are rising and we expect them to continue rising, what can people do about that? Yeah, so what we need to be looking at here is what you're actually purchasing. So have a look at the 
average duration or the average investment time frame of something you're going to buy because all fixed interest assets have different time frames and you can go to different managed funds or look at different ETFs and you'll be able to ascertain the average investment time frame for this group of assets is three years, two years, eight years. Now, if rates are going to rise, you don't want to be in longer duration assets. So what I mean by that is if you can get 1% today for the next eight years, it's reasonable to expect that interest rates would move a lot higher than what they will be over that eight year period. And as you said earlier, therefore you could see as rates rise, the value of your asset fall to reflect its market value at any one time. So shorter duration at the moment will give you the ability to be nimble and have your assets mature and then reassess what's available in 12 months time. So consider the time frame that you're holding in your portfolio. Also consider the composition of what the underlying assets are. Are they onshore? Are they offshore? You may be rewarded for holding offshore assets, but keep in mind that you may be taking on slightly more risk in relation to the quality of what you hold, because depending on where the investments are held, you're bringing in potentially different economic factors. You could be bringing in currency issues, you could be bringing in economic issues for um, the risk you're taking on. Good example, the Australian government is probably far safer than the Greek government. Mm -hmm. Nothing against the Greeks out there. Happy with the Greeks. Just their banking system Just has had a few problems. Their yes. banking system <laughs> may be a little bit more risky and you could throw Ireland, you could throw Portugal, you could throw plenty of countries in that mix. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's always about thinking, well, what risk am I taking on? If you're going to get an 8% return, you're taking on a lot more risk than 3% here in Australia. So understand the risk you are taking on because whilst the term fixed interest, you know, people like the word fixed, mm. you can actually lose your money here. Yeah, in, indeed. Now, we're talking about the fact that uh, various different instruments might have different time periods. Uh, bonds can be short-term or long-term bonds, and they can be a range of different durations in there. Yep. If we're in a, an environment where there's increasing interest rates, I would assume that a longer-term bond might offer a higher interest rate than a short-term bond. But if you're in a, uh, an environment where the interest rates are declining, declining, you might see the shorter-term uh, bonds offering a higher interest rate than the longer term ones. It's a little bit, it's based on what the market expects to happen, not guaranteed to happen, just expects to happen. Mm. But in that circumstance where interest rates are going up and you're perhaps seeing a, a more attractive interest rate on a longer term bond, should you be tempted to take that because it's higher or are you locking yourself in for the long term to your own detriment? Well, again, it, it depends. You've got to come back to your why. If, if you can get a long term instrument and you're happy with the amount of income that you're going to get and you want that security and certainty, then that's fine. But you just need to accept that as rates continue to rise, the underlying market value of your asset may be repriced downwards. Now, that, again, that's what people need to keep in mind. That's not a bad thing because you generally hold these things for the longer term and you're not going to sell them. So you won't crystallize that loss as such and then over time, you will receive a suitable amount of income. And for me, it's really the income that people receive that they then use to fund pension payments, lifestyle, yeah. and have an underpinned income inside a portfolio. So you really just need to accept 
the risk that you're taking on. And that's really what I wanted to point out today is the fact that assets can come off in value is not necessarily bad because if the alternative is 0.3 in cash and you can hold a fixed interest investment and get 3.5%, you're receiving an exponential increase in the amount of income that you receive. If in the short term the value of that asset comes off on paper, who cares? Yes, You're not going to sell it. You're going to hold it. And then, as we said earlier, if, if, if the bond matures and it gets reinvested at a higher rate at the time, great. Yes, That's no dramas. I just want people to understand that there can be fluctuations in value. They're not bad because you're not going to sell them yeah. and you'll get an income stream and be rewarded that is greater than cash, which is the idea of holding fixed interest. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, a little while ago ETFs. Now, those are exchange-traded funds. Mm. If you're invested in an ETF and that fund is holding bonds, don't those fund managers buy and sell the bonds as they see fit? And mm. you as a stakeholder in the ETF, you just sit back and let them do the work? Yeah, exactly right. And and that's a good way. Whether it's an ETF or a, a specialised fixed interest managed fund, the, the fund manager itself will actually be doing all of that active trading inside of that product. So again, that comes back to your fundamentals. What do they hold? What's their philosophy? what's the average time frame so that you know that you're going into something and saying, yes, this particular investment holds domestic fixed interest and we're dealing with the Australian economy over they have 60% of their portfolio in Greek and Italian bonds mm-hmm. and I'm taking on a lot more risk for the return that I'm expecting. So yes, the, 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 the ETF manager will or the fund manager will actively manage those positions, but it's important to understand the couple of those key characteristics. Where's the debt? who's issued the debt, and what's the time frame of the debt so that you can get a handle on the potential movements in value over the period that you hold it. Indeed. Luke Smith from Envision Financials with me in the studio. So, Luke, what are the key things to remember when it comes to fixed interest assets? I think the big thing, as we touched on before the ad break, is what's the average time frame of what you're buying? If you're buying a longer duration investment, you could expect the value of it to come off at a greater rate if we see interest rates rise. So think interest rate up, value down, which has worked in our favor for many, many years. If you held a 3% investment that mm. you purchased four years ago and it had a 10-year time frame, the value of your income stream went up because cash rates were falling. So we always want to think interest rates going up, potential value coming down. Now, as I said before the ad break, that's not a bad thing because you're going to hold this asset until the assets mature, and then they'll just get reinvested at the higher rate anyway. So buy something you're happy with the amount of cash income that is coming out of it. That's very, very important. Don't let the change in market value upset you because it's just a reflection of something's value. It's no different to the house on your street getting sold. You look at it and go, oh, well, if the place two doors down sold for X, my place is probably worth X or maybe more. If the place two door, doors down sells for less, that doesn't necessarily mean your place is worthless. It's looking at the asset in its merit standing alone by itself. And the important point in that analogy, of course, is that just because the bloke two doors down sold his house doesn't mean you're going to sell yours. You're probably going to hold it for another 10 years. Exactly. And, and that's what we need to keep in mind with this sector is we're trying to get an income stream that is better than cash. Now, to do that, you need to take on some risk. You're not taking on a lot of risk, but as long as you buy well-diversified assets, you'll be completely fine. So look at the time frame that it's invested in. 
Look at where the debt has been raised. Are we exposed to different countries? Try and keep it fairly mainstream. Your Italians, your Greeks, and your riskier economies <laughs> are going to pay you. You want to be rewarded for taking on that additional risk. Yeah. But just understand what you're taking on because it's not all the same. Um, just remember as well that if you rent your house, like if you buy a fixed interest investment, you can't change it until the lease ends or the investment matures. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. And I use that property analogy because I find people can people can see that. Yeah, and, and uh, extending that analogy, if the value of your house goes up or it goes down, if you're still living in it, it makes no difference. It's still the same house that you're living in. Yeah, and if you're collecting fifty dollars or $60,000 of rent from that house and that fifty or $60,000 is funding your lifestyle, yeah. without being fickle, you don't care what the house is worth. Yeah. You're worried about the income, and that's, I guess, what I'm trying to stress here. Yeah. What's the income I'm getting? Don't worry about the value of it because if it's good quality, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Just worry about the income that you're generating because that's what you use to fund lifestyle, buy cars, buy boats, pay pensions and all the other things that, that fixed interest assets do inside your portfolio. Um, and then make sure that you have a diversity of maturity dates. So right. if you have one asset that might have an average of three years, have one that has an average maturity of four years or five years. Because yeah. if your assets are, are getting reinvested at different times, you can take advantage of a rising interest rate environment and lock in a better return as different things mature. So just stagger your maturity dates, have a good level of diversification, know where your underlying assets are, be exposed to the right economies, and then use an active manager or an ETF to give you that diversification inside your portfolio. And you'll continue to get an income stream from that portion of your asset base that will be far better than holding it money in the bank. Fantastic. Well, we've reached that point where it's time for me to ask where can listeners get more information? Yep. So 6260-4749 is the office number. Um, envisionfinancial.com.au is the website. We've got the podcast, the strategy stack at Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And we've also got the YouTube channel. That's Envision Financial Canberra, where we've got all of the shows. We can pause them. You can watch them on your phone. There's nothing to read. And that one I think I've just done for myself. <laughs> so there's a little bit of something there for everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Luke, thanks very much. We'll catch you again next Friday at the same time. See you next week.